Good morning. It's good to be back with you after being out for a couple days. I want to thank everyone who reached out to me with my mother's death last week. My mom died last uh, Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, uh, Valentine's Day. So uh, thank you for all the people who, um, like I said, reached out to me with the messages, emails, uh, phone calls, so many things. I really appreciate it. Um, she was ready. It was a difficult season for our family, and uh, we have more difficult days to come. I know is if any of you have ever lost a loved one, you know that it's uh, it's not easy. But uh, we know that God is good. Uh, she is at rest. Uh, she lived a great and godly life, and uh, my life is blessed because of her. So uh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful she's at rest. I'm thankful she's at peace. Uh, pray for me and for my daddy and for my family as we figure out what normal looks like moving forward. But um, God's good in the midst of all things. And as I tell people, we had an extra year with her last year. She was on hospice all last year. And so I got to drive down all the time and see her. And so I'm, I'm thankful. Uh, we had her for 94 years. And so we have much to be thankful for in the midst of our grief. So thanks for your prayers and for your concern. But we're going to pick back up today with... Um, 1 Timothy, we're going to be reading chapter 6, verses 1 through uh, 10. This is 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Let all who are under the yoke of slavery regard their masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of, name of God and the teaching may not be blasphemed. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful to them on the ground that they are members of the church. Rather, they must serve all of them all the more, since those who benefit by their service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these, urge these duties. Whoever teaches otherwise and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, the teaching that is in accordance with godliness, is conceited, understanding nothing, and has a morbid craving for controversy and for disputes about words. From these come envy, dissension, slander, base suspicions, and wrangling among those who are depraved in mind and bereft of truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment, for we are brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. For those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by, the, by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and into destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Okay, so we have two. I want to talk about two different things here Paul talks about. First, I want to take a minute and talk about the first part, verses 1 through 2. Uh, and then unpack the end of it with um, that famous passage, the love of money is the root of all evil. But let's first talk about the part one through two where it talks about slavery. Um, so it says here, and this is one of those passages that has been misused in times of old to condone slavery. It says here, those who are under the yoke of slavery regard their masters as worthy of all honor, that the name of, name of God and the teachings may not be blasphemed. Those who are believing masters must not be disrespectful, so on and so forth. Okay, so first, a little Greek here. The word, therefore, um, those under the yoke of slavery, um, the the Greek there can also be translated into bondservant. It appears as though this is more of a um, type of indentured servitude thing. The, the specific Greek here acts as though it is more to do with indentured, what we would think of as indentured servitude, those who have sold themselves into slavery uh, to pay off a debt type of thing. But real quick, slavery in biblical days was vastly different from slavery in the American context. 
slavery in the Roman day was more about you were conquered in war. So Rome conquered your country and you, Rome was victorious. So you were now a slave or something like this where you sold yourself into slavery. Slavery in Roman context was not a race-based thing. And there was no worthiness or unworthiness in conjunction with the race of the slave or the slaveholder. So uh, a slave, um, if their children were free, that free child of a slave is completely equal in every way to another Roman citizen, for instance. Um, the American-based slavery was racial in its entire makeup, which is completely antithetical to anything you would see in Scripture. And, and let's also be clear, I, I don't want you to think that Scripture condones slavery, because in 1 Timothy chapter 1, um, it condemns uh, people that are sinful, and one of the condemnations for those who are kidnappers are, the word there could actually be translated, those who have stolen someone and sold them into slavery. So slavery is not seen as a good thing in Scripture. Scripture does not, Scripture Scripture bends towards freedom is the way I've always heard it put. So you see the dominant narrative in the Old Testament is the freeing of the slaves. So, but slavery in, we're going to talk about this more when we get to Philemon. Philemon has also complicated verses when it comes to slavery because Philemon deals with slavery in some ways. So, um, but I'll, this specific passage here is talking about something a little different from our American historical context. I wanted to unpack what that was, but also didn't want you to think that scripture is a, is a, you can take these verses here and use them to say, ah, the Bible likes slavery. No, that's, that's misrepresenting what the Bible says and what's happening here. So just, I want you to understand the context of what's happening here and what it means, but also understand how scripture's bending towards freeing because the first message Jesus preached was, I've come to proclaim release to the captives, recover your sight to the blind. So Scripture's bending towards that that freedom. Um, so that's that's a very interesting thing. Like so, we're going to talk more about that when we get to Philemon. But I just wanted you to understand a little bit of the Greek of that passage. But uh, there's very passage: the root of money is the, the love of money is the root of all evil. I love what it says. Um, verse five: and wrangling those who are depraved in mind and bereft of, of truth, I imagine that godliness is a means of gain. So in other words, these people are saying, hey, I'm godly. I, I'm preaching. I'm teaching. I'm a Christian. So my religion, my faith can make me money, imagining that godliness is a means to gain. So my faith can be a means of income, if you will. I can make money off of this. And then Paul says here, of course, there is great gain from godliness. So godliness, yes, godliness is going to give you great gain. But it's with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing from the world. And those who want to be rich fall into temptation or trapped in senseless and harmful desires. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And eagerness to be rich, they've wandered from the faith. Contentment, y'all. Our faith calls us to be content. To be content with what we've had. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, the Father knows you have need of clothing and food. He says, we're not, look at the lilies, consider, consider the lilies of the field. Solomon was not arrayed as they were. Does your father not know that you need food and clothing? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. These things will be added unto you. This world wants to get its hooks in us. 
It wants to get its claws in us and, and, and get our eyes off of Jesus. And if I'm willing to sell my soul, the wealth, power, if I'm willing to take my eyes off of Jesus to gain earthly riches or whatever, then I've gained nothing. I've gained nothing. Those who want to be rich fall into temptation. They're trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and to destruction. Hmm. Doesn't, that doesn't that describe the compulsion of wanting more and more and more and more? I think the old story I've told you before, it's from, it's either, I never can remember who said it. I, I think I heard it attributed to J.C. Penney, but um, they asked him one day, how much is enough? And his answer was one dollar more. One dollar more. What is your heart on? What are you truly and wholly desiring? What is your heart on? And if our heart, if our eyes, our soul, our very being is devoted to gaining more wealth or more power or more stuff or more earth. Then if you gain it, congratulations. What have you gained? That's why Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? If we lose our, that's why he says, that's why it's the root of all evil. Because if we're so seeking after that, Wealth, rich, power, fame. And we lose what matters, which is relationships. We lose our love of God and our love of neighbor. It doesn't matter what we gain. Because we've lost anything worth having. So be careful. There is much to be gained with godliness. But it's not earthly possessions. But it's a life truly worth living. A life firmly rooted in Jesus. So um, let's uh, let's seek after him first in his kingdom. And we'll find what we need. Thanks for being with us. Tomorrow we're going to pick up with that. We're getting close to the end of First Timothy. Um, we won't finish it out today. tomorrow. We'll be pretty close. And then we'll start with Second Timothy. So thanks for being with us. Hope you have a great rest of your day. See you.